You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the free agency, no new friends edition of the Talking About podcast. I am Sean Kennedy. Uh, in keeping with the Sixers offseason of no new friends, it's an old friend joining me on the pod, Dave Early of Liberty Ballers. Dave, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, so we we're just talking offline about how we both feel like this uh, has been a pretty good free agency period for the Sixers thus far. Um, so far, they've signed P.J. Tucker to the non-taxpayer mid-level exception number, a three-year deal, and a two-year deal for Daniel House um, at the uh, biannual exception, so a little over $8 million for two years. And making that all possible was James Harden and maybe Michael Rubin, who knows, but James Harden taking a pay cut from uh, opting out of his last year was contract, which would have paid him $47 million for the upcoming season. Uh, they're still negotiating what the exact deal will be between Harden and the Sixers, but all the reports are it's going to be in the mid-30s starting out for the first year. So, Dave, Dave, let's talk about the signings first. So, P.J. Tucker, it's been rumored for quite a few weeks now that uh, the Sixers were targeting him, and over the past week, it seemed all but certain that he was coming here. What do you... I guess we should just say, what do you what do you think about Tucker as a player? What do you think about them signing him to a three year deal? Uh, yeah, just give us your thoughts on that. In the context of the entire thing, I had more mixed feelings about it than I do today. Um, when I thought it was going to hard cap us and maybe force us into salary dumping Matisse Thibel and Furkan Korkmaz, I was a little bit more hesitant when we got the great news that James Harden was going to opt out and restructure. And we started hearing more and more reports that it was going to be in the mid thirties. I think as Brian Windhorst said on TV, I just think it makes it more palatable. So if you're asking me for thumbs up or thumbs down without the nuance of other opportunities that might've been out there on the market, I'm going thumbs up. I like Tucker a lot. I'm not quite as worried about the way he will age on the back end of his three-year deal as some people who have been very concerned about that because I don't think his game is so reliant on athleticism. And I think they can load manage him in the regular season to a degree, maybe even significantly. So if they'd like, um, especially if there's going to be some positional overlap between him and Tobias, Paul Hudrick, our Paul Hudrick reported, that's very likely that Harris is going to still be here. Um, so yeah, I like that signing a lot. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on the not being worried about the length of the deal. It's He was still highly effective in this past postseason, so I'm not worried about him from the upcoming season. As you said, you can load manage to a degree. The, the roster looks pretty deep, so it's not like you're, you're going to be counting on him to approach 30 minutes per game during the regular season. So I don't think the wear and tear is going to be that great. 
a little bit of a worry next year. You know, he's he's going to be going into his age 39 season next year. So th- there's certainly some concern. But then after that, the last year of his deal, if if he had if he's fallen off a cliff by that point, then you can just package him with a pick and do what they did this year. They, they had Danny Green and it's a, around a 10 million dollar salary slot. You can go out and get somebody like Anthony Melton. So having that kind of sal- that, that mid-tier salary to, to use in a trade um, down the road when it's an expiring, that could actually be pretty useful, even if Tucker, as a, as a guy 40 years old, is, is not going to be helping your team at that point to a significant degree. But, you know, you're thinking about the present. You're thinking about Joel Embiid and James Harden right now and being a contender. And we've seen two years ago when Tucker was a significant contributor on the, the title-winning Bucks, and then last year when he was, again, a, a prominent rotation player for a team that was in the Eastern Conference Finals and reached Game 7. Like, he, he's just a winning player. So that's the kind of guy you want on your team, especially when you have your star player, Joel Embiid, specifically calling for the team to to have a player like Tucker um, in his his post game press conferences after the series, uh, so never hurts to keep your star player happy. And uh, between, given the relationship between Harden and Tucker, if it's just uh, you know hypothetical player X that maybe is younger than Tucker, but maybe if he didn't have the relationship with Harden, Harden isn't making this decision to make a pay cut and bring him in. So. Then, then you're kind of looking at like who could we have gotten for the the six million dollar taxpayer exception, and it's probably a player not as good as Tucker. So, yeah, I think I think getting Tucker was a really good piece of business. Would you rather it be a two year deal? Sure, but if that's what it took to get him here, then you know it's it's a good piece of business. I I, I don't have a problem with it really. Um, I don't, I'm not as I said I'm not overly concerned about the the length of the deal uh, for the reasons I stated. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm just happy that they could get it done and uh, they didn't have to unload other guys to to make it happen. Yeah, Nate Duncan on Twitter said that the Sixers got the best power forward that was a UFA who could switch, I think stretch the floor a little bit. He might have said that they got the best available small forward as well. Uh, I'm sure people would quibble on that one and depending on who is what position, referring to Danwell House. Um, you look at a guy like, Gary Payton Jr., who I think got three years, 28 million from the Blazers as, you know, if the Sixers wanted a defensive minded player, but Tucker, you know, can shoot corner threes, you know, he will pull his defender out there at times. And you know that he allows you to play some small ball looks now. So when Joel Embiid sits, maybe Doc Rivers could experiment a little bit more than he's been willing to in the past when he had a guy like Mike Scott on his bench. So uh, I do think that there's a, there was a big position of need for them. And it's funny. Everyone keeps, I keep reading the Sixers did what they said they wanted to do. Paul used it. John Clark used it. And I think Rich Hoffman used it, which is like, you know, are you wondering that they talk, we talked so much about what they needed in toughness and that's exactly what they targeted. So it's, it's rare that you see such a linear, uh, filling your own needs that you've expressed right yeah they got they got the toughness they got the wing depth and and the forward depth which i think was really important um especially given you know green was injured so 
you weren't really counting on him next year, but that was one of your main wings last year. And they obviously traded him away from Melton, who's more of a can, can occasionally guard wings, but more of a, a guard defender. So, yeah, now they got two guys in Tucker and House who can help fill that need. And uh, yeah, and, and both guys that are, you know, adequate shooters, at least. Um, House has had good shooting years. We're going to talk about him in a moment. And Tucker has, you know, always been serviceable as a, as a spot up guy, especially from the corners where he's really going to thrive with uh, Harden and, and reuniting that that part of their game. So, yeah, it's I, I, I don't think it could have gone much better, really, um, given the limitations they had salary cap wise and everything else. Um, let, let's talk about House, who was brought in on a two-year deal, a little over $8 million. They'll be using the, the biannual exception for that. So that is something, again, that was only available to them because Harden was willing to come off of his uh, – he was able, he was willing to opt out and, and come in this year at a lower number. So they were able to fit in that number as well on the cap sheet under the apron and everything else. Um, House, guy that – Again, Maury had a connection with in, in Houston. Um, he most recently played with Utah. Guy, a good, good 3 and D wing, basically. And uh, there was some quibbles, I guess, among Sixers Twitter. Like, is he more of a min guy than a biannual guy? Me- meaning, should they have been paying $2 million versus $4 million for him? And, and to me, like... I don't know. That's just splitting hairs. Like you're going out and getting a guy that really fills a need for you. He's serviceable on both ends of the court. He's a guy that you can trust in the postseason. He's not, his game doesn't lend itself to uh, the postseason rolls around and, and suddenly you have to bench him because he's, he's such a hole in this one particular area. That's, that's not house. He's pretty well-rounded. And yeah, if you had to pay an extra 2 million a year to get him, like that's just what you have to do. You're like, you're a contender. And again, Maybe Harden wouldn't have been willing to take the pay cut. Maybe he he's played with House before. He identified uh, in in talks with Daryl and said like, "Hey, if you take an extra two million off, like we can go get we can go get House for you and help this help the team." So again, hypothetical player X is Harden willing to do that? Who knows? So I don't know. I just I think again it was it was a good smart piece of uh, business by the Sixers front office, and I think the team is a much better than they were last year as a result. What, what did you think about House and, and bringing him in? Yeah, I, I hear people's concerns that they expected him to be more of a, a vet min because he, despite his percentages, he's not a shooter that you feel very, very comfortable is going to provide gravity for James Harden. Um, his mechanics are a little bit funky, although he, he makes shots and he's got the really fun bow and arrow celebration like the Brandon Cooks fires <laughs> an arrow at the road crowd. Um, he, and he's a, he's a hard nosed defender. And so that was clearly the Sixers priority here. We want players who can play both ends of the floor without being a major minus. We might be willing to what some people think is overpay a little bit for those qualities, because while absolutely we can get the shooting from the and the defense from Matisse, we were reluctant to play either of them. So let's bring in some guys like Tucker and, House, who we know are not going to really get targeted or played off the floor on either end, not going to be completely ignored um, and can provide some help. And that James Harden has an affinity with. We now have four players that were former Rockets, at least, right? Harden, House, Tucker, um, and Melton. So, And, and uh, Trevelyan Queen, who we'll talk about in a moment, maybe. Yes. <laughs> 
Yes, so it's it's totally. Although that fair. was not that was not the more the the the, the Daryl era Rockets, but yeah. Yeah, I, I think that there were probably some other factors. I do think Joel Embiid, you know, got his first like significant say maybe in a signing with Tucker. Yeah. And I think that these are guys that Maury probably prioritizes because of their ability to get steals, get deflections, and make open three pointers, and that you can get value when you get those two-way players. So I think that's probably why he went back for them more so than I'm familiar with them and the Rockets, despite the the fun narrative now for us to use. Yeah. Rockets East out here. Um, yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned house was a bit inconsistent with his, his three point shooting, but back when he was on a team with Harden and Harden was creating all those open looks for guys, he, he was much better from three. It kind of dropped off when, Suddenly, he was on a on a Houston team that just had a bunch of rebuilding young guys, um, and then he, he was again very very good with Utah on a team that moves the ball very well and creates open looks for their team. He shot forty one percent from three in his admittedly small sample size of twenty five games with Utah last year. So, I, I, I think he's he's more of a guy that yeah he's not going to provide gravity for Harden per se, but he's a guy that is capable of benefiting off of Harden. So. I don't have as much concern as some others might about the three-point shooting and the the defenses that you talked about and the toughness and everything that the team was targeting this this offseason. He he definitely brings that in spades. So yeah, him and him and Tucker, significant upgrade in those areas as as guys that can either start or come off the bench. And you have two surefire postseason rotation guys that you can pretty much count on. And the team maybe had Four, four, maybe five of those guys last year, depending on, on what point of the postseason you're talking about. Um, so they, they just need to bring more of those guys in-house. And in-house, they got one of those guys. So um, we, we would have to bring on like Tom West or Jackson Frank or Steve Littman to, to talk about who would have been better for a million and a half less because I don't feel confident enough to give you a strong opinion on that yet, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so there were some guys who, who made like $8 million that felt like, well, that's maybe an overpay for this guy. Uh, some of my Knicks fans friends are saying Isaiah Hartenstein, they overpaid because he's not actually a stretch big yet. He's just one in theory. People have been quibbling with Torian Prince. Uh, and then there will inevitably be some deals down towards the end of the summer or the, over the next few weeks where we're like, wow, that's a screaming value. But that's because that guy was floating in free agency for a while. And Maury and Brand couldn't have necessarily predicted who that guy is going to be. You remember like Dennis Schroeder last season, um, there are those guys, but like, if you want to go out and pounce, it's much more difficult from their perspective than it is from ours to grade these things. So I, I guess I want to give it some time before I can have a stronger take, but going from the position where I thought we were just going to have a $6 million MLE and a vet min, you got to love where we're at because of what Harden did in terms of his pay cut. That's huge. Yeah. They were able to get two helpful roster players as opposed to one and at, at around $14 million in contract versus $6 million in contracts. And that again was because of James Harden opting out of 47 million and taking 30. We don't know the exact figure yet, but it's probably going to be around 34 million in year one. Um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely on his part, a, a commitment to being in a winning situation and, and getting players around him that, that can really help the team versus maximizing his personal income. So 
Spike Eskin doesn't think so. <laughs> yeah, Spike Eskin of the rights of Ricky Sanchez making the counter argument that he's guaranteeing himself money in the future in, in years two and three or whatever the contract that, that wasn't there before. So actually, 100 million is worth more than 47 million. But yeah, I, I'm it's... pretty sure James Harden was going to make some money in years two and three regardless. If you're very, very <laughs> confident it's going to be an MLE guy next season, then it's a fair point, I think. But Yeah, that was that was such a ridiculous like straw man talk radio angle to take. Um, I, I didn't really... <laughs> uh, but that was, that was classic Spike. But yeah, just I, I think you have to kind of tip your cap to Harden. Uh, we can joke about the fanatic stock coming his way down the road. Um, maybe maybe there's truth to that. Maybe not. Um, but either way, uh, Woj, definitely. The way Woj talked about it, it's a little bit higher than just complete conspiracy theory right now. But if I were to take a cynical approach the way Spike did, that's the angle I would have gone. Like maybe yeah. hit, maybe the pay cut that we're going to hear about is thirty million. Maybe it's twenty-seven million because he's going to get some hats and hoodies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll see down the road but for now we you just have to tip your cap to Harden and say thanks for being a team guy and I, I don't know how many people out there would pass up 13 million dollars this coming year 47.39 million dollar contract and he's turning that down it's just I mean it's got you got to feel a little bit weird this is a guy who was offered an extra 100 million to stay in Houston said no thanks he was offered 200 million to stay in Brooklyn he said no thanks and now he's getting this. I mean, at one point he was thinking about getting 270. He's way, he's going to be way below that number. He could be like at 130. So, um, you know, hats off to him now and, and hopefully he can get that title. Yeah. I mean, we're all rooting for that here, here. So yeah, just a great, uh, great team first mentality by Harden this off season, allowing them to bring in Tucker and house who they, they would not have been if he just simply opted into his contract um let, let's let's move on to other transactions and, and news this week so that that was the big free agent signings they also brought in uh Trevelyan Quinn who was the G League MVP last year he's he's on a two-year deal second year is non-guaranteed um he's also only has a partial guarantee for 300,000 in year one so it looks like a training camp guy but again they gave him the partial guarantee which I, I, I'm, I'm guessing that had to come out of James Harden's money as well, because otherwise, how are they fitting it under the apron? Can and we everything get in else? on this? So yeah, so I, I imagine Queen got three hundred thousand of James Harden's money. Um, so they they must have some plans for him, I would think. Uh, he's definitely an intriguing guy. Uh, check out Kyle Newbeck's article on him about how he really went through some tough times as a teenager. Was was basically homeless at one point and had a hard road to get where he is today. So easy guy to root for and hope he gets uh, that fully guaranteed NBA contract somewhere down the road. But as I said, G league MVP last year, a lot of, a lot of bounce to his game. He can shoot, had, had nine, nine attempts per game last year, only shot at about 33% from three, but yeah, the volume was there. Um, just looks like, looks to be a great athlete. Uh, could be, could be a long two-way contributor down the line. If he puts it all together. So and you're basically describing what we heard about Jimmy Butler and why he slid in the draft. So, yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> the, 
it's not a foolproof process that uh, people like to say that the draft is totally figured out at this point, but you know, there's still an MV, a two-time MVP was taken in the second round recently. We're, like we're really, really good at the first 10 picks. Yeah. Not, not the order of the first 10 picks, but the first 10 picks are going to be the best players pretty much. But then there's a lot of like fluctuation, right? Yeah. I mean, Giannis has a has a yeah. Disney movie about how he went from, you know, selling sungra- sunglasses and stuff on the on the streets of Greece to uh, uh, MVP and Finals MVP and everything else. Like the Clippers are over, or like Finals favorites right now, and Kawhi hasn't played in a year. That's how good he is. Yep. Yeah. So guys, guys will slide, and this is why you you, you take shots and you just kind of look at a. The athletic profile and everything else and and queen definitely proved at the g league level last year that he can play so definitely a worthwhile gamble and roll the dice on the sixers part and if it took the three hundred thousand dollars to to bring him in versus going somewhere else then hey why not so we're gonna see what he can do um starting in salt lake city next week because the, the sixers released their um summer league roster this morning before we start talking about that we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor and then we're going to talk about all the stuff in salt lake city and vegas next week when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, and we're back. So Dave, rosters came out for the Summer Sixers this morning. We talked a little bit about Queen. Also on the roster are last year's 2021 draft picks, Jaden Springer, um, Philip Petrosev, who played overseas for Anadolis Ephes last year, EuroLeague champs, and uh, Charles Bassey. Also, interestingly, I, I would say we can talk about this, is um, the 2020 guys, Isaiah Joe and Paul Reed. And then uh, the, the other people we've heard about and, and have already been announced, uh, two-way guy, Julian Champagny is on the team. So we'll get our first close up look at him. And then guys that have bounced around the league the last still young, but the last couple of years, like Grant Riller, um, former two way guy for the Sixers, Cassius Winston. Um, I don't know. Where do you want to start? Is there anybody that particularly intrigues you, jumps out at you? Do you want to go into why Joe and, and B. Well Paul might be there? Yeah, sure. I, I suppose that they're on different ends of the reason spectrum where I think, uh, Joe might be um, on that firing line where he's trying to make the team still and might need to prove that uh, there are, there might be some reasons where they, you know, wouldn't feel comfortable moving forward. I mean, if they could get a vet min player 
to come in and contribute still, then he might be a cut you'd make, right? So yeah, uh, I'm not sure that he's going to to make it at this point. And I think that he's there to get some reps and show that he's worth the shot. And I think a lot of people, for good reason, believe he does deserve the shot. Uh, and it's worth seeing. Whereas, yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, just on Joe, um, I, I I agree. I think it's kind of like if he sh- if he goes the summer and in eight games it's like hey Jaden Springer played kind of better than you or there wasn't too much difference between Julian Champagny and Isaiah Joe like if he's not head and shoulders looking like an NBA guy among G League guys then that's really a cause for concern for the Isaiah Joe truthers and everything and he's a guy who he's definitely flashed like NBA skills he he has serious range from three just hasn't consistently knocked him down and you could say it's small sample size but at some point he's going to have to start being a little more consistent and hitting those shots he's, he's shown some good mobility and ability to take charges and everything on the defensive end um but still pretty skinny guy they're listening about 174 like hasn't put on a lot of weight the first couple of years that you would like to see so yeah i i think he really has to prove that he uh he shouldn't have been there as a third-year guy, I guess. Yeah, but Daryl Morey had an interesting comment. He said basically he's got a chance to take a big step forward. He's going to play with our summer league teams and I think show what he can do. We're a deep team. He didn't get a lot of minutes. He didn't get as much of a chance as I was hoping he would, just given how all the injuries timed last year. And it's uh, that was a little bit of a head-scratcher to me because the injuries timed so that he could have gotten a bigger chance. So you get the sense that maybe Daryl would have liked to have seen Joe just get a few more opportunities last season. And that makes you wonder if maybe he will get a chance to stick around, but I I wouldn't feel very confident, confident about it. It's just that uh, there is reason to think that they want to see more. So it makes sense that he's in the summer league. Whereas Reed, you mentioned on the other end of the spectrum, they might not even bring in another big, so he's going to be playing a huge role. They might want to get him as much opportunity as possible to ramp up. I mean, expedite his learning curve, as you might say, like, and the same for Bassey. Yeah, I mean, curious that a guy who was your backup center in the playoffs last year is going to be playing in summer league. Um, I I wrote about this for Liberty Ballers, and it, it just kind of seems to me like it's going to be like last year when Maxi played three games or, or whatever it was, and then he just you know, sat out the rest of the time. I feel like that's going to be the case with Paul. Um, he utterly dominated in summer league action last year. Um, he's shown he's just, he's, he's not, that's not the level of play for him. He's shown he can compete at the NBA level. So um, I'd expect him to see a few games, then kind of continue to build his, you know, defensive rotations, staying, staying within the scheme a little bit, just honing that for a few games. And then, uh, and then see him come out because yeah, it, it could be him or it could be Charles Bassey next year, but it, it, it all points to one of those two being the backup center and playing 15 minutes a game next year for a contender, aspiring contender. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't read as much into it as I would with uh, Isaiah Job being on the team. Um, but yeah, it'll be fun to see <laughs> people all pull out there. I'm sure we'll get some great highlights. He, 
he tweeted about how he increased his vertical by five inches this offseason. So we'll see if there's any he's truth to that. He's basically going to be like trampling, dunking on people. Yeah, he's going to be the flubber, one of the flubber guys <laughs> on the court. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we're definitely excited to see you all fall out there. Um, uh, yeah, we mentioned we talked about Queen. Uh, as for the other guys, I think I think Springer's the one I, I really want to get a get a close look at because still the second youngest guy out of all the players on the summer league roster so super young like we have to remember that like he was one of the youngest guys in the draft class last year so not surprising that he wasn't able to really crack the a spot with the sixers at all and spent most of his time with the blue coats um but yeah by, by all accounts he's come along well like not he's not lighting the world on fire but he, he he's you know making steady progress forward um really good defensive player so i, I want to see how the shots coming along how the creation ability is coming along and and we'll kind of get a look at whether he's able to you know play eight to ten minutes a game next year or how, how far along he really is so yeah spring spring is probably the number one guy i i really want to get a close look at uh next week and and further on the summer yeah uh I, I don't think that he shot well enough last year in the g league to crack this team's rotation so he he's going to have to make some serious strides or what happened last year is going to be not indicative or representative of the shooter he is or both um because you can't there's no room for a guy who's just a pretty good defender but he's still going to have to earn the respect of officials. You know, like even when Matisse was making second all defensive teams, like refs were like, well, we don't really believe that you're a good defender yet. We're going to send you to the bench if you even sneeze on Trey Young. And Springer could be in that category. And if he's not giving you open three-point shots, then he's certainly not going to play over a guy like Daniel House. Yeah, I mean... He's really going to have to earn it. He's there, there's exactly, not a yeah. there's not an open rotation spot right now for him. But if he can even be a guy that oh you know house sprains an ankle and he's out for three weeks, if if Springer's a guy that can aptly fill in in that role for a couple weeks and they don't really miss a beat, then that's a that's a huge win. And then uh, you feel more confident that two years from now, when you know house is gone. And, you know, you're trading away Tucker or whatever as an expiring that you have a guy like Springer that can step into the rotation. Um, or I got breaking news for you. It'll be a little <laughs> bit dated, dated for our listeners, but the Celtics have acquired Malcolm Brogdon. Oh, wow. What's the full terms of that? I don't have them yet. It's just Ward just tweeted it. I guess we'll see. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, they, they already have, they're, they're talking about the, the, tr- quote unquote true point guard that they needed. Um Brogdon, I don't I don't think I'd call him the true point guard. Definitely probably more of a combo guard, but he's cap- definitely a capable creator. Uh and if he's healthy, good good two way player. So that's yeah, we'll see yeah, what they, in terms of that and what they had to give up, but good acquisition for them. Um all right, finishing out on the Sixers front though, uh yeah, that kind of wraps it up. We, I think those are the major guys to, to keep an eye on summer league. I guess, I guess Bassey, you want to see like how far he's come. If, if he looks like Paul Reed did last year and is just 
like a dominant force on both ends, that, that makes the backup center conversation that much more interesting. Um, and I, I think he showed in the G League he's capable of doing that. So we'll, we'll see how he, how he plays. Um, but yeah, that's, that's about it. Um, the, the other topic I wanted to touch on was all the drama in Brooklyn. Dave, it seems like we talk about it every week, and I'm, I'm happy to have you on when you do because you, you also cover the Nets. But man, it's, it's just a tire fire over there with Kyrie potentially leaving, but then opting in. And then almost immediately, Kevin Durant made his trade demand. How do you see thing, things playing out in Brooklyn? And how funny is it that there is a list of guys that the Nets cannot trade for because they have Ben Simmons on the team? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's pretty great that they, if, you know, if they wanted Bam, they couldn't trade Ben Simmons straight up for him. I'm not sure that the, um, I'm not sure that that's a major obstacle. You could just trade Ben Simmons for maybe John Collins and be fine and then send Durant to Miami. I think it's great because. It's great for the Sixers because you need something like this to happen. I mean, people love rooting against the Nets, so I think they can underestimate the fact that they might have been just better than the Sixers next season. There was definitely a scenario where that was the case. So if they are going to be much worse next year, um, which I think is a safe bet currently, then that's great for Philly as long as there's no super team in the East. And I wouldn't even want one in the West. Like if If you put Kevin Durant on the Clippers, that would be really bad. Kevin Durant would deal with another two years of cupcakes and maybe a finals MVP. Uh, and that would be terrible to put smack dab in the middle of Joel Embiid's prime. So I think it's good to be, you know, optimistic that this is good, that something bad is happening to the Nets, but also be worried about where he might go. People are talking about he wants Phoenix and Miami and they both have reasonable offers. I mean, you, the, the Brooklyn Nets could look to onboard Kale Bridges and DeAndre Ayton and picks uh, and then they could ship those picks along with the Sixers 2027 first and Joe Harris and maybe Seth Curry and bring back another good player. I don't know what they would need. Um, they could definitely move Ben Simmons to Indiana or Atlanta or somewhere else if they wanted to try to get Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero for Kevin Durant. A lot of ways it could play out. The Sixers don't really have a good offer because Tobias Harris plus whose money you would need to include, plus Tyrese Maxey isn't even going to get you to that second phone call compared to these other offers, I believe. But pretty interesting stuff, uh, wild times. And I just never expected that Joe Sai would say, I, I don't want to – I'll give this guy two years or three years, but I won't go four. I'd rather just blow it up and, you know, have like a culture I believe in because, I mean, they, they were genuine finals contenders, I thought, a couple of days ago. And now they don't want to be. Yeah, I, I guess it depends how how they approach it. Whether it's a they they could definitely go a full rebuild build kind of route, or if they, you know, if they make a trade with Phoenix and it's Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Aiton for Durant, like you're still any Kyrie for one more year, or I guess they would maybe flip Kyrie, but you know they keep him for one year maybe, then that's still a decent team. You're probably making the playoffs in the East at least. So, but they, if they, they could... were decent. If they were decent, but worse, that, that would be a win to Philly. In my yeah. opinion, you just don't want like, I mean, if Kevin Durant would go to Utah or something, that would be good. Very good for the Sixers. Donovan Mitchell comes back. They're probably a little bit worse. They're better positioned for the future. You feel much more confident. You're better than the Nets right now. 
Uh, and then you would root for Kyrie to not form a super team somewhere. Like if magically the Lakers, everyone keeps saying that Russell Westbrook can land Kyrie Irving. I, I find that hard to believe. If that's the case, you got, I would hope that Daryl Morey would call and offer Tobias Harris and Matisse Seibel and see if he could top that offer if they want to continue to try to win. Um, I know a lot of people, Sixers fans would say, no way, no how. But I think if you're worried about beating a super team, if, you're, if Kevin Durant is going to be playing with Jimmy Butler, then um, you might need a super team yourself. So maybe you, maybe you roll the dice and try to get Kyrie for Tobias. <laughs> that would be interesting uh, to add Kyrie into the mix, <laughs> especially with uh, – I, I just don't uh, – it, it'd be a really tough fit with Maxine Harden. Um, but, yeah, sometimes talent, you just make the play because obviously Kyrie's a much better player than Tobias, even aside from Tobias the Tobias isn't a perfect fit. <laughs> yeah, Tobias is kind of – he's not a perfect fit, but he's he fills a, a definite role for the team as a – he's a stretch forward that was more willing to, to play that role last year and a, and a wing defender in the playoffs that performed pretty well in that role. So whereas Kyrie, uh, no, that's neither of those things. But – yeah, I think from the Durant perspective, you just kind of hope it's not Miami. Like him going to Miami is a worst case scenario for a team that already gave the Sixers trouble and it has been looming as a a contender the last few years. To, to add a Durant would just be uh, an awful scenario for, for other aspiring contenders in the East. So even if it was a super team, like – but if it was out West, like if it's Phoenix or if it's the Clippers, like you mentioned, I, I, I'm much more willing to, to have that happen than any of the, the playoff teams in the East. Um, so we, we, uh, we did see the return for the, the Brogdon deal. It's, it's, a bu- it's Daniel Tice, Aaron Naismith, and a bunch of other salary filler, plus a 2023 no, first round. Not pick. even Derek White, no key players. No. So from the final rotation. Looks like a really good acquisition for the Celtics. So. Oh, yeah. Your Sixers um, are going to have to be really, really good if they want to win the finals. And as it as currently constructed, I'm not sure that they're there yet. So doing something with Tobias Harris, the, the incentive is certainly there. Yeah, I mean, if they can upgrade and be a better on-court team by trading Tobias, I think they'll definitely look to do that. I just, everyone that wanted them to do it, just unload it because it's a bad contract. That never made sense in my mind. Um, no, so. I agree with you. I think they've they've played it right up to this point um, with Tobias. Um, yeah, so they're in, a, they're in a better position because now that they have this wiggle room and Tucker on board, they don't have to feel like oh we we need to take a gamble on Gordon Hayward. They can just do a trade if they like it. Exactly. They they and down the road they they'll have some mid tier contracts they can use if if contracts uh, or, or or if deals become available to them um, and. To, to pull this full circle, all of that was probably made possible because James Harden took a pay cut by opting out and coming in at a much lower figure in year one this year. So Dave, good. I'd say very, not not like an earth shattering free agency period for the Sixers, but adding, uh, going back to draft night, adding Melton and adding Tucker and House um, while only losing Danny Green from rotation guys last year. They're, I, they're a significantly better team than they were last year. It all comes down to Joel Embiid being healthy and James Harden being like at least a near all-star level player. Like he's not going to be the MVP James Harden, but he has to at least be approaching an all-star level. And if that happens and Embiid stays healthy, the depth is now there for them to at least be in the conversation. So, 
Would you, would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if those guys if those guys hit on their high end out- outcomes, then the Sixers are going to be a force. All right. So, Dave, thanks again for joining me. Um, where can everybody find your work online? I'm at David Early on Twitter, and all my writing is for Liberty Ballers. All right. And I am at Philly Fast Break on Twitter. Yeah, check out all the stuff at Liberty Ballers. Um, we're covering a lot of breaking news this past week. Uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot more in-depth stuff now that things are starting to quiet down and we can kind of analyze these these moves the team has made. And uh, we'll have summer league action starting next week. So Tuesday, um, they play Memphis uh, in Salt Lake City. So that'll be fun. All right, Dave, thanks again for joining me. Um, enjoy your, your 4th of July weekend. And everybody out there, have, have a safe holiday weekend. And I'll talk to you next week. And we'll have some, some summer league. Yeah, you too, thanks.